Hi guys, welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am Angelica Yard. And I am Charisma O'Keefe, and we are here every week talking to you about on entrepreneurship, business, balance, life, etc., surviving, you know, pan- pandemics, uh, all the things. Um, we have some really great interviews coming for you this week. We have two this week, actually. Um, but before we get into those interviews, we're going to just talk a little bit about joy because this week is not joyful and um, a lot of weeks are not joyful uh, if you're black because white supremacy. Um, so, you know, we were just talking off air about this as it's something that black people are often talking about, but um, I'm just really trying to push black joy. That's really just like my focus this week because, you know, it's just heavy and it's nonstop and it's just, it's just never ending. And I feel like I know a lot of people that I know personally in private conversations we've had, it seems like you know, a lot of us in the black community are just kind of hitting a wall right now because it's just uh, like it's unrelentless and it feels sometimes like there's no hope. So I'm just really pushing people to just find, try to find something every day that gives you joy, but at least one thing for the week, at least um, that is just about you and just about your happiness and just about your joy. So I'm trying to think like, what is my joy thing going to be today? Like I've been trying to do one every single day. Obviously the cherry blossoms have been a big gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. So (laughs) my friend, Amanda Strange, who is from the DMV currently lives in Cali and is moving to Tampa. I've been helping her prep to move to Tampa. She helped me prep to move to the DMV. And she told me, she was like, I know this winter is rough, but like girl spring is going to be amazing. And it really is like, I was like, no, like, it's not going to be that great. Like whatever. Like I've lived in a place that is like, you know, kind of like a spring summer vibe year round, but we don't really get the like colors in Florida. It's just like straight green, which is great. Um, But here it's like, Ooh, these colors, they are popping. I feel like I'm in a secret garden. Like it's beautiful. And it's wild because I knew that there was like, you know, the cherry blossoms at like the national mall and stuff like that. Everybody talks about that, but I didn't realize that it's just like everywhere. Like you just go to the grocery store and it's like, Oh, there are just stunning, gorgeous trees. Like in the parking lot of the grocery store, they were just ugly trees like a few weeks ago. Oh and now word. they're beautiful. You guys. Like, <laughs> I can't. Like, I did. Cause I don't like, I'm always asking John, like, is this going to, what kind of leaves is this going to have? What is this going to have? Cause he knows all that. Um, and so I wasn't expecting to see them just everywhere, but it's like, even just like walking around our neighborhood, so many like gorgeous little spots. So I'm really just kind of trying to soak all of that up. And then I've also, per the usual, just been in my Marvel deep dive of like, we're constantly (laughs) watching the Marvel films. That's just kind of like a thing that we're just always doing. Like we're always somewhere within uh, the MCU, but lately um, I've also just been like, I I've recruited my friend Margo to be obsessed. So I've been, you know, sharing memes and stuff with her and TikToks and all that stuff. And yeah, so just kind of enjoying that stuff because, you know, we have two episodes left of, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So yeah, I've been deep into my Marvel. John Walker is a menace and should not be allowed to walk on the planet. He's um, so terrible, but it's going to make it that much sweeter when we see uh, Sam pick up the show. I know, but I'm so tired of this white man and his drama on this show. <laughs> like it really is a struggle every week. Like it already was a struggle. Like the show for me is not, it's not that anything's wrong with the show. It was fine the first episode. And then we got into this John Walker character, which I know he is. I know 
the backstory. I've read, you know, I'm in the MCU. I'm deep in the bag. US also on the X Men side, yes. but obviously with that, being an X Men comic fan, you always get drafted into the Avengers nonsense yep. and everybody else's stuff in the Marvel universe. And so I was more X Men Spider Man person for Marvel. Honestly, I didn't really GAF about anybody else, but because Captain America is a hot mess and all the shit that happens in his like franchise mm-hmm. is messy, so it's like seeing this character. It is in real life which you know of and seeing sam and knowing about his journey it's just it's a lot and i'm just talking to john walker i am i'm ready for him to get the shield to cut his head off like i just somebody please take this man out <laughs> like i'm glad that it's like a limited series because i think it would be a lot to see him like on the big screen so i'm glad that they've like limited it to limited it to kind of just like this limited series um origin story essentially for Falcon becoming like winter or not winter soldier <laughs> Falcon becoming Captain America yeah. but um and all the other know, characters too because it is an origin story not just for him there's a, several other characters exactly, that is yeah. their origin story too so I'm actually more excited about one of the other characters and seeing how this translates to his thing because he does have a really cool role if you don't know I'm not gonna spoil it for you but this person came up in like episode one I was like that person's way cooler than the rest of these MFers I don't care about none of y'all like but I will say like for me obviously like as soon as you know we found out that you know like um Steve gave Sam the shield like I was immediately happy as I know a lot of other people were but of course there was those people that weren't so I'm glad that they're making someone so terrible have it so that those people that were on the fence will maybe see like look this is what you could have and it would be really bad so you better be thankful yeah um because a lot of people are always going to be like there'll never be another Steve Rogers blah blah, blah. and Steve is good or whatever that's I'm not fine saying Steve Rogers but... dies every other like day in the yeah, comic universe so I feel like these are the movie time. people god bless y'all but like the thing is, is that I feel like I what I really and I'm not comparing the two. They're both great, whatever. But what I really love about Sam is just he brings so much more to what he does with him having that background of therapy mm-hmm. and him saying like, OK, because, you know, Steve will be like, hey, let's do this another way. But if they're like, no, then he'll just fight them, which, that's you know, fair enough, like understandable. But Sam will be like, I can relate to you. I understand where you're coming. Like he has more to say in that. Uh, realm and he has a, a big a wider skill set right for that sort of thing so I really love how the MCU has been uh, really pushing therapy in a bigger way pushing like you know the mental health talk in a bigger they've always like it's always been there but it's a lot more obvious for the people that just kind of didn't pay attention to it before so I love that it's bringing up with both WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier it's bringing up those uh, topics yeah, and, just like and the making people talk about mental health more, you know? Ramifications of living in a comic book state would not be great. And there have been shows and sitcoms that kind of touched on this, and it, it's a theme in some of the comics, but I think seeing it in the MCU, because it was a 10-year ordeal of like now seeing the ramifications on that of, of a person, and that translates back to our lives is how the ramifications of a pandemic, how the ramifications of social media and seeing like live streamed death you know i was talking to my husband about and this is you know to tie back into this week is that i think i didn't see that first beheading video that was the first murder i feel like the big murder video on on facebook was that poor soldier getting his head beheaded and it was everywhere nobody could stop sharing because it was like the first thing i remember it coming up and i like clicked on it and like right before it happened i was like oh nope i see what's gonna happen i've watched enough movies to stop and I feel like since that has been a thing, it's been okay. It's been okay to show death and it's been more entertaining for people who aren't black to look at black death because they don't understand why they're trying to find it. They're trying to observe it. And so for them, these videos, this proof, quote unquote, 
social group is, is necessary to humanize people who don't look like them. And I'm going to just tell you right now, I don't look at these videos. I want no point of topic of talking about them anymore. I don't want to, I'm really in my bubble. I'm really like, I, it's not any point. And it's really like, at first I was kind of like, uh, even this year, I really like, um, I was like, oh, you know, if I say I'm, I'm more focused on, on black joy, am I being negligent to black trauma or black grief? And it's like, no, I'm not. And I'm really not even like 100% like a happy, bubbly person. So I, it's not even that black joy 100% is all my narrative. So I'm definitely going to uplift and talk about more about things that are joyous or opp like opportunity of black wins more than I am about black trauma, black pain, or even pain of any people of color. Because we we're tired. Like black people are really tired. But let me tell you, my all my friends in marginalized groups, my, we're tired. We're all exhausted. We are tired of these conversations. Trans people are tired. Indigenous people are tired. Latina people are tired. Like we're just Asian people are exhausted. Asian we're people tired. are tired. Yes, we're just and tired. That's, you know, it's wild <laughs> to me that like I had one friend that reached out, you know, more recently, and you know, said exactly just what I needed to hear. And that friend was Asian, and she's been, uh, she had family near uh, the incidents that happened in Atlanta, and so she's been dealing with, you know, the things that she's been dealing with, and it's just you know, all with all the, the people that posted those boxes who just still aren't doing anything like that weighs heavy on us all. It's just, it's just a lot. It's, it's just, exhausting. It's I'm like, exhausting. do you think that black people take a break when other things happen? Do you think other marginalized groups take a break when other terrible things happen to other communities? Spoiler alert, we do not. Like we are all, especially people who are open to the experience of people should have the best and people should explore themselves and have the right to be themselves when we hear at the same week of all this legislation to affect trans kids, even here in Florida yesterday, and then we have mass shootings, and then we have more police brutality, and then we have, you know, hate against Asian people, and it's in Atlanta. That's where I'm from. So I, I, doesn't, I didn't take a break because I'm not Asian. That didn't, I didn't take a break. You know, I felt the same exhaustion for all my all the people who are experiencing hurt and pain because we're all tired because we understand how it feels and it's exhausting and and globally honestly and I feel like if you at the end of the, if none of this applies to you the pandemic should humanize you enough to see millions of people now dead where you should also be tired if nothing else if nothing else has affected you that should have affected you enough to see these big numbers, these 45,000 cases we had last week in Florida for people who are coming here and hanging out and having a good time, not wearing masks. We had 45,000 new Corona cases in seven days. It ain't over. It's ridiculous. It, I, I'm glad I'm getting vaccinated, but it doesn't change anything but the fact that there's still people who can't afford to get the healthcare they need when they get this disease because they have pre-existing conditions or not, and they still die. People are not not dying from it. It's just not as fun as a news article anymore. It's not, we're not talking about it as much because we have a president that's quote unquote doing a good job of getting people vaccinated, whatever. I'm just letting you know, if, if, in, if you can't relate to anything else, at least say, hey, maybe I'm tired because I've been at home for 18 months. Like just be, just be tired from that, that's fine. <laughs> whatever the case may be. Uh, but for, for in terms of Black Joy, I think Marcy Martin, specifically talked about in her media company, in her production company, how she won't be uplifting any more stories of, of Black trauma or Black pain at all, ever. She never has, but she's like, that's not going to be a thing what's happening with her. And to see a younger uh, Black person make that statement for me was like, okay, well, then I can do that. I'm like, if this little baby can say that, then I can do that. I can, I can say I'm not going to be 
talking about trauma and pain and et cetera all the time. I'm obviously depending on my conversation, but it's not going to be my highlight. I'm not going to uplift it. Um, but I guess in terms of, of black joy, it really is just being in a state of, of understanding myself. In this episode, we talk about women understanding themselves and their bodies as you grow older and, and knowing ourselves. And this is for all people as you, you grow older, honestly. But being able to realize when something's not right and quickly make an adjustment versus being younger. Like even as a teenager, you don't have autonomy over your body if you live at home, to be honest. And even if you have a good relationship with your parents, regardless or not, it's still a lot of relating on somebody or waiting for somebody else's experience in their life and trying to explain what's happening to you. And it, it can be a lot of back and forth. And just as an adult, I'm so glad that I can say, I woke up this morning and I feel this. I need to do this to adjust the rest of my day. And I can do it. And I'm in a space where I can do it. And so I think I'm joyful for being in a space where I can do that. And I have the opportunity and the privilege, because it's not everyone's privilege. There are people who are incarcerated who don't have this privilege. There are people who are disabled who do not have this privilege, who have people who are caretakers who don't have this privilege. So there's different things. So I'm just joyful for my privilege and my ability to be able to quickly adjust based on what my needs, because I've worked to get to a certain place where I can do that and how we are now shifting our conversations to empower the people we work with and people we don't work with to be able to do this and how can we empower young people to be more financially independent and, and literate in a way that's normal. Like, I'm not trying to make money. I'm not Tiffany Alice. Go buy her book. It just came out. It's a bestseller. Go buy her book. I'm not her. But to tell someone, take $100 out your paycheck every month that you don't use and put it in a savings account costs nothing. There's a young person that does not know that. So that's what I mean. Like things like that where I can share the knowledge or as an entrepreneur, like don't buy this, you know, website builder from Bluehost. Get WordPress itself hosted and then install Gutenberg or get Element. You know what I mean? Like I can help people save money and use just simple things. So I think I'm grateful and joyful for that. That's what I'm doing right now. This is kind of our year. This is what we're arranging myself. So that's where my black joy is coming from. But I just want people to know like we... I'm tired <laughs> and I'm like I'm just being quite frank because I, I think a lot of uh there's just so many nuances and feelings around these conversations and I just want people to implore empathy and stop asking marginalized people to have conversations with you because we tired we just don't want to do it <laughs> I love that your joy comes from like age and from being an adult because I feel like I hear a lot of people all the time talk about like oh I hate adulting I don't want to be an adult I want to go back to being a kid and for me not that adulting is easy because it's not because I just feel like life in general is not easy but um I've always been like so happy that I'm an adult and I am not in the home that I grew up in and that I can create my own joy and and do the things that I want to do and live a peaceful life and all those things so I, I that is a thing that I'm also like very grateful for and that I do find joy in I love that you pointed that out because it is so true and I love that you're like you can wake up and be like what's wrong right now with me like what's wrong with my body or my mind or my spirit and then you can choose to make those adjustments because you are in charge of your life and that's really big for people that haven't like grown up with that uh, I didn't grow up with that so no. for me it's like that hits differently like people that are like oh I wish I could go back to being a kid I'm like nah absolutely not like yes paying these bills is not fun but like I would much rather be an adult and have uh that control over my life than be yeah. in the situations that I was in before so just for that alone that's always something like wh whenever like I'm having trouble feeling thankful I just kind of look around my place and I'm like I'm just so thankful that this is mine and yeah. no one can take it from me. And parenting was, you know, it's different. And I, I don't want to talk too much. We have a whole episode about other important things. But I think 
reasonably as adults and if you've read the book you know being a, a child of a narcissistic parent or <laughs> there's so many different books of that style or the conversations of self-healing and, and parenting your inner self is that our parents didn't have the tools a lot of times marginalized people people who are in a certain income bracket your parents a lot of times didn't have the tools to understand how parenting was about the child and not really about their experiences but more so your child's experience so if you didn't get that as a as a parent and all you've seen is taking your parents experience and put it on the person the little person because they can't do anything they don't know anything you kind of kids were kind of like that as like you just you need we need to keep you alive and especially as marginalized people and poor people you had to make your kid look great so that they didn't get taken away from you i mean i'll be honest like that's really what it is is like you got to go to a doctor's appointment and your kid has to know what to say how to say how to look how to dress we got to buy new clothes got to buy new shoes things that you never really would do because if something's off in a pediatrician appointment, a pediatrician's calling the state to take the cat. It could be nothing. But if a child doesn't answer the right way, it says something and, and uh, you know, racism involved, white supremacy is involved. They're saying, oh, this brown kid came in and his shoes are dirty. Well, clearly there must be an issue in the home, depending on who the, the medical provider is. And they can easily call family services and take this child away for no reason. So it, there are definitely reasons. It's all nuanced and there's a lot of different things that are there. But I think now, I think people need to appreciate the fact that you have the ability to make your life what it is if you are in a situation where you can't. Because not everyone is, but for those of us who are, which a lot of us are, it's up to us to create these narratives that we want to create. And just listen to yourself, listen to your body, listen to what your needs are, and act on what you need first. <laughs> and then the rest will come later. If you don't post on Instagram for a week, nothing bad will happen if that's not your income. Let, let me tell you, if you are a small business owner and you make no money from Instagram, no one cares if you disappear from Instagram for a week. Promise you, I, I have proof in the pudding. I haven't posted on Instagram in three years. No one is scared. <laughs> not one person <laughs> is scared that I've not posted to the feed in three years. I've not lost a single dollar. I've not hurting for it. It hasn't. It's, it's literally just, not a lie. Your last post is May 29th, 20, 2018. Exactly. I'm like, maybe one day I will. Remember, but it's just those things. Focus on what's important to you and deal with that first. And if you have time for other stuff later, that's Meanwhile, fine. my last post was three hours ago. <laughs> very different. <laughs> and that's, that's what you feel. You find joy and you, you yeah, know, I it's do. part of your joy. That's what mm-hmm. you're not. Don't yep. deny yourself that joy don't deny yourself joy don't deny yourself that like your joy is watching documentaries in the middle of the day and you don't want to be productive and when we are quote unquote supposed to be productive do that friend like do what you gotta do i literally find all my friends from instagram including you um but yeah that's how i make friends so like and then i turn them into real life friends so that's why i like it i mean yeah so I think that's it. You know, this episode's really insightful. And um, just to the point, we had two episodes released this week. Um, so you probably, if you didn't listen to the episode previously that was released yesterday, I suggest you go back and talk to me, listen to our episode with Major as well. She's very inspiring as well. Like these two interviews have been definitely the highlight of my week, considering that we were silent for two weeks. And I'm like, you guys, it's such good content that you're not going to want to miss out on these two And episodes. I'm very proud that it's, uh, we have back-to-back Orlando back-to-back girls who are killing girls it in, who are in Orlando, Black so, women who are doing amazing yep. things. Different life circumstances, but both equally very, doing yeah, really very different and things. both killing it in their fields. So, so uh, yeah, go ahead, rate and review on, uh, Apple Podcasts, you can follow us because we no longer say subscribe, BTW. You got to say follow us. That's the thing. Apple dropped that language. So follow us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on social media, and we will get back to you if you have any questions. Of course, we'll be talking about 
Patreon that is going to be releasing in Q3 because that's something that we've been talking about for over a year now. And now that the pandemic's kind of slowing down, at least in terms of productivity levels, we can actually push out and pump out things that will be working towards you guys to get better content from us and, and being able to be better content providers in that space. So thank you so much for always listening. And if you have any questions, just reach out at Heart Hustle Podcast on Instagram, Heart Hustle Pod on Twitter, and then use the pod- hashtag BossoHard. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We are so excited to have Tiffany today with us on the podcast. Tiffany, thank you for joining us. And for our listeners who aren't already familiar with your work, let us know a little bit about you, what you do, as well as where to find you on the internet. Um, Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, Again, I'm Tiffany Brown. And um, what I do is I help women who are working their nine to five jobs, basically develop an exit strategy or a backup plan to that job so they can live life on their own terms. Um, It's something that I'm really passionate about. I've, you know, been in corporate for like 15 years plus um, and decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship and do a lot of business coaching and things like that. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I can be found on all social platforms. Instagram is my main platform at Tiffany D Brown underscore, um, as well as my self-hosted website, which is uh, Tiffany D Brown.com. Love it. And I love that you say that like, you know, because there are a lot of people I think that are working, they have a job, maybe they went to school for this job, maybe it's a job that, you know, is that they need, you know what I mean? Like it's helping them pay their bills, they really can't see that exit strategy, but they know that they have a passion that's something else and they don't know how to like bridge that gap. And I think a lot of people, people ask me all the time, like, oh, like, should I just like quit and just... And I'm like, no, (laughs) you should not do that. That is a bad plan. I mean, when I became an entrepreneur, I was really young. I was only like 20, 21. Um, But I still worked for a while until I fully went full time. Um, And I honestly think, I don't know, in America, unless you have like some sort of nest egg left by your parents or whatever. I really do think that there is a benefit to working that corporate job first, if I'm being quite honest, to having the health insurance, to having the stability of that salary and then making the switch Um, because it is rough. I have a lot of entrepreneur friends that, you know, have struggled, that haven't had that health care, that sort of thing. So sometimes it can be nice to kind of get yourself set up in life And, you know, like get your finances in order and all that before you make that switch. Because I think when people do that, they just have a lot more stability through their finances. Yes. And I'm so glad that you share that. And so I'm going to elaborate, if you don't mind, just a little bit more um, on my journey to this point. Um, So as I mentioned before, I was in corporate 15 plus years. um, And in my corporate job, I was a pharmaceutical sales representative. It's something that I worked really hard to get. I think I interviewed for two years straight before I finally landed a job. And it was a career at the time that I really, really loved. And I enjoyed like helping patients and educating doctors and doing all of that stuff. So it wasn't until I had my third baby, which, you know, she wasn't expected. We weren't planning for her. It was like, surprise, she's here. And so I was on a contract with a pharmaceutical company and everything was going great. And then I just 
you know, the influencer thing kind of played a role as well in me just finding out more about like who I'm here to serve. So I was getting up, going to work every day. And then I had the baby and I told my husband, I was like, you know, I really don't want to go back to work. Like, can I just stay at home? And he's just like, no, this is easy money. Like (laughs) you need to go to work. And here's the interesting thing. I was not, I didn't have insurance through my company because I was on my husband's insurance plan. Like we're all on his plan. And so To me, I was just like, well, I want to stay at home. Like, why do you think my job is so easy? Like, because I I show up every day and I've been doing this a very long time. Maybe that's why. But then I realized like driving to work one day because I had to go all the way out to from, you know, Orlando to West Palm Beach one day. And I was driving and I was like telling myself, I was like, you know, why? Why does it feel like, you know, I'm only here for the benefit of someone else, not necessarily the benefit of myself? because my my heart was no longer in what I was doing. Um, I just didn't feel like secure anymore. So um, that same week, uh, I was having a conversation with my mom and I was just like, you know, I just really don't want to do this anymore, but I just need confirmation, you know, that it's time to go. And I didn't know that same week that the job was going to let us go. And it was just me and one other um, lady on the team. But what was interesting about it is that I basically had started developing this backup plan um, way before this layoff. And I learned the first time around that when I got laid off in the very beginning, like I've been laid off like four times. So the very first time it happened, it was a shock to me and I was hurt and I was upset and I was just like, well, how can they let me go? What am I going to do now? I don't have a backup plan, you know? So it's basically having to teach myself how to do other things and develop other passions that I had that I could monetize or I could make money from that basically sustained me and helped me out. But let me tell you, that was the very last time sis got caught up with not having a plan. <laughs> you know, to that job. And so when this layoff happened recently, I was prepared. You know, I had been making influencer money. I had been doing side hustle things um, still while managing my full-time job. And just to say it it is possible, but to your point, having a, um, being stable, having a plan, a financial plan or a nest egg or working towards something while you're still at your corporate job is so imperative to the success of being an entrepreneur, I think, if you're trying to leave that space. Now, it's not for everybody, but for those women who are showing up, you know, every day at a job or clocking in at a job that they just their heart is not in anymore, but their heart is in something else or they're passionate about something else and they want to develop that. I think that is just a great route to start planning and prepping like ahead of time because no one wants to get like let go the week for me, it was like the week before Christmas, you know, and not have some sort of plan or some sort of, um, you know, fallback thing that they could, you know, capitalize on and still make money. Either they can go back to work or they can, you know, develop their business like full time. So. I love that. And like, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, money as an influencer in a bit, but I do just want to say like here closer to the top of the episode that for listeners who don't know you and I have worked together. And so I know and can vouch for the fact that you have made good money as an influencer. 
um, even before you left the corporate world. So I think that that's just so important because of course, anybody out there now can just jump on and have a really big follower account. I have, I know people that have really large follower accounts and don't make yes. time. Um, <laughs> so like you have a really sizable account, but I literally know two people that I can think of off the top of my head that have larger followings than you and literally have never made a dime. Whereas I know, I know, I know. And I know for a fact that you have uh, had some really, really lucrative uh, deals as an influencer. And I think that that's so important, uh, you know, just for people to know, because there is that, uh, like, you're, you're authentic and in, in what you're uh, yes, selling. You know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't do it any other way though. I don't, I'm never comfortable with, um, selling or coaching something I haven't done for myself. Um, yeah. I know it looks different for everyone else. And like, even some of my clients that I'm coaching currently, it's like, if you just trust the process, trust me, I've been there. I've done it. I've been in your shoes. I know it's going to work. I just think the biggest thing too, is that people need to understand that it takes time, but you also need to have, it's kind of like a business plan. You have to think from a business mindset, because I think that people look at the influencer space as like, oh, it's just something fun to do. I just love taking pretty pictures and showing off my food and what I'm eating every day. But they're not approaching it with being intentional about where they're trying to go or what they're trying to do. So they don't really see it as a business like they should, you know, especially if it's something that they want to use as like their exit strategy or whatever. Yeah, I think that's an issue with most side hustles is that people don't treat it like an actual business. And therefore, it's kind of like, oh, I'm just making a little extra money on the side. But if you're intentional, it really can become an actual steady revenue stream for you to do. Even if you keep your other jobs, it's another revenue stream. Like who doesn't want more money, especially if it's something that you like to do, it's easy for you and you can do it in a way that's organized and doesn't take a bunch of your time. It's not ruining your, your work-life balance. I think that exactly more people should just look at things and take it a little bit. I mean, and the more serious you take it, honestly, it becomes a little bit easier to do as well. Cause once you put systems in place, mm-hmm. it's less likely for you to take so much time and doing the same thing over and over again, if you have things that are running smoothly. So there's definitely uh, something to be said about just taking yourself seriously. And women tend to not do that because okay. uh, we, we are told that we're not that serious. <laughs> um, but I won't. I'll be here all day. Don't get me started. It's been a week. (laughs) But it's true. I think we don't. But here's the thing. I think a lot of that back to the point of spanning off of people have expectations of us as women, our husbands, our partners, our friends. And when we deviate from what their plan or their expectation is, and we try to venture out and do our own thing, it doesn't make sense. And so what I try to explain to my clients is that, well, my vision is not yours. It's, I'm not here to explain to you why I should be doing something. I'm telling you this is what I'm going to do. Either you're on board or you're not. But my vision is not your vision. So you can either support me or you cannot. But either way, it's not going to stop me from moving forward and um, what it is that I am meant to do. And I think we get so lost, women, mothers, we get so lost in living our lives for someone else. Um, it could be our kids, it could be our spouses or whatever. And we lose ourselves in the midst and we forget about the things that we're truly passionate about. You know, we're clocking into this job that at one point, yes, it served us at that time frame, but it now is no longer serving us. What do I do? Um, and it's it's hard because, like I said, we start losing interest in the passion or we 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 tend to forget what that was or what genuinely makes us happy anymore because we're just going through the motions every single day. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, this is what you do, Tiffany. This is your life and blood. You are helping women 
have these hard conversations, honestly, with themselves. I think the, the beginning of understanding that you're out of control is hard for you. And so for yeah. people to get to the point where they're ready to talk to you, it's, they need it. <laughs> like they need the help that they need, you know, they've, they, they've come to the, the first step is acceptance, right? That's so true. how did you learn to balance these different areas? It's your career. You have three kids, you know, you have a husband, you know, that, and also personally developing at the same time while having, you know, at that time you had a nine to five. So how are you balancing mm-hmm. all those things? Well, for me, um, I would say that being that I had kind of been doing the side hustle balance for like a couple of years, I really got comfortable with what my process and systems were. I think that it's um, important to kind of set those up in the beginning um, to know kind of what, like set your goals, know what they are. And for me, like even when I got up and I went to work every day, I went and did my, my nine to five job, but in the midst, you know, on the weekends, I'm doing photo shoots, I'm creating content. I literally spent every single waking hour working on, either my full-time job or my side hustle. Like there were nights where I didn't go to bed to four or five in the morning and then get up to go to work the next day. And one thing about me with balancing, you know, I have to be there for my kids. So when they come home from school in the afternoon, they get my attention. The computer's not out. You know, I'm not trying to do any social media, anything at that point. Um, I wait till they go to bed and then I get on my second side hustle. Right. Um, I think just having a plan of action of what that flow is going to look like for you personally is important. Um, and time management is huge. And if you can't manage it all and you have that corporate income, you can you know, free up some of that time by maybe delegating tasks or hiring or outsourcing someone else to kind of help you stay on track. Um, right now with systems and processes, when, especially in the social media world, there's so many different things that you can use to schedule and automate um, to where you don't have to be present every single day. You can schedule it, walk away. Um, so that helped me a lot too, but a lot of outsourcing, um, basically creating like a very strict schedule as to what days I was going to shoot content on, what days I was going to film videos on, what days I was going to work on sponsored things. It was basically planned out ahead of time. Um, that way it just, I'm a planner, so it makes it easier for me to do it that way. Cause I can block that time off on my schedule, just like you do in your normal you know, job. Right. So just using some of those skill sets that I learned from working and managing my own territory, my own business per se. I just use those skills in my side business. Mm, We love to see it. (laughs) Yeah. Scheduling and systems are so important. Angelica is such like a scheduler and a systems person. So when the world is safe, like y'all have to get together to have a system state because like, honestly, like you are two of the people I know in my life who talk the most about systems and I, it, it, it works. I like, it, it really does. Like when things are scheduled and when you just know how to, you know, fit things mm-hmm. in, you know, you know where things are supposed to go. It's just that much easier. Like me, I can't even like get through the morning without a system. I have to write down like everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my planner literally has a space, has space for every 30 minutes. Uh, because that's how like specific I need mm-hmm. to get with my day. Cause if not, it, it gets away from me so quickly. Yeah. Um, Cause no one's, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, no one's telling mm-hmm. you what to do next. And so that's the thing you have to um, show up for yourself, you yep, know, and yeah. if you don't have that personal responsibility or um, to where you can like stay on track or accountability, I should say, then it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for you because like you said, it's no one's telling you to get up every day and plan your day. Nobody's telling you to show up or post or share 
or create content. Nobody's telling you that. So you have to be motivated on your own, like a self-motivator to get it all done. Um, and I, I think that when it comes to just like you said, those systems and plan, I have several planners. We have a family calendar that we have that's digital. So I know my husband knows like what days I have photo shoots or meetings or client projects or whatever. So he can be aware. So we have like this shared calendar. Then I have like my paper calendar and then I have like all the other paper notebooks and things that I keep all of my notes and stuff in. So having all of that, you know, whatever system works best for you, if you have to write it down or you use like a, a digital or online calendar, um, you just have to figure out what fits your lifestyle and try to merge those two together. I love it. And I do, I think that like showing up for yourself is like a big form of self-care mm-hmm. um, that we don't talk about a lot. And then of course there's a lot of other forms of self-care. I feel like you're really, really good at self-care and I'm sure that a, a lot of it is because you schedule it and you put it into the system. Mm -hmm. And one thing else that I've noticed is that you are really big on teaching your kids, especially your daughter. Um, So I see that in the videos that you make with her and things like that. And I can see that she is learning to like be a proud, you know, little person (laughs) and to value herself, which is so awesome to see like at her age. So what are some of the ways that you personally practice self-care? You know, with self-care for me, it may seem silly, but things like going to get my eyelashes done, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, going to get my eyebrows threaded, like those little things, like those are basically just take me out of my element and give me the opportunity to relax, rethink, refresh. Um, And self-care also for me is like being with family um, like our visiting or FaceTiming, things like that to kind of just rejuvenate my soul, my mind. Um, I don't really like, I would love to do like massages and all of that, but that's just, it doesn't really do much for me mentally. Um, so for me, like self-care is more along the lines of just keeping myself up, you know, working out. I, you know, I was challenged after having the baby and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I don't like the way I look. So who can, who can control that? Only I can control that. Right. So I had to make a commitment to myself to show up for myself and to remember too, I have three little ones that I want to be here for. Um, so I've basically started back down the journey, just like getting healthy again and really practicing like the healthy mindset. Um, and one thing too, I think when you think of mindset with self-care is that getting up and giving myself affirmations every day, you know, because we can be so hard on ourselves and we can think that what we have people don't need or what we know people don't care about. Um, so I have to, I get up every morning and I say, what you have is value. You know, what you teach are valuable lessons, like your clients need you. Um, so for me, so it, it just reassures me that I know what I'm doing, although I know what I'm doing. You know, I have to say it out loud and put it out there to where I don't get intimidated. Or I don't, I don't let self, um, basically the imposter syndrome to take over. And so I think, you know, self-care too could be like just those daily affirmations, um, and just being in the right mindset to know that, you know, I got this, you know, everything's going to be fine. I got this. So. Yeah. And I think, um, as you grow older and this is like, I, I feel like I'm, my friends have always said, Oh, you don't, you don't appreciate age or you're young. Cause I'm younger than most of my friends. I'm 10 years younger than most of my friends. And I was always like, I'm so appreciative of aging because I learned so much more about myself. 
Mm -hmm. I think as women, we're taught to hate the aging process because it's like your body's not the same, your weight's not the same, you you have, you you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what's better is that you know your body. And so you know when something's wrong. And so you knew at a certain point, you know, you're like, my health is not good. I'm not Mm -hmm. where I'm supposed to be even after having a baby. I've had two others. I can see where I'm supposed to be and I know I'm not Mm -hmm. where I am. And you adjusted and now you're adjusting to get to where you need to be for yourself. It wasn't society. It wasn't, you know, Instagram wasn't other people. It was literally you checking in with yourself and saying, I can't operate to my fullest because I don't feel good. And it's Mm -hmm. not going to help me be there to be able to balance all these things that we talked about earlier. So I think you should take, uh, you know, pride in aging because we get to learn more about our bodies and we can practice better self-care and what we need and not just a list on Instagram. They're pretty. Those illustrations are nice. Yeah. Being told how to practice self-care, but like you said, like massages don't work for you. And, you know, I, so many things don't work for me. <laughs> you know, there's just so many, <laughs> there's so many different things that yeah. we can do. So I like, I like the idea of checking in with yourself on how you practice self-care for yourself. You know, what's interesting too, is that I think what kind of shook me in a sense, it kind of like, it wasn't anything on Instagram, kind of like to your point, but it was the fact that my husband would get up and he would go play basketball in the morning. And then in the afternoon, he would go to the gym. I'm mm-hmm. just looking at him like, you got all the time <laughs> to oh go goodness. work out and keep yourself together. And here I am wasting away on the couch. And so for me, it was like, if if, if he can do it and if he can find the time to do it, what's my excuse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't be I, I can't be out here standing next to you and I look like this and you look like that, right? So <laughs> I was just like, Mm-mm, I got to get it together because- you know, he made time for himself Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like, Oh, is it cool if I go to the gym? No, I'm going to the gym. I'm not asking like, this is what I'm doing. And so for me, I I had to get that mindset. I I need to be more like him because it's Mm -hmm. not asking for permission. It's showing up and being there for yourself um, without what anybody else has to say about it. So he kind of like, (laughs) he kind of jolted me to get it together. Cause I was like, he goes every freaking day to the mm-hmm. gym, sometimes two or three times. Mm-hmm. Then he goes play basketball. And I'm like, you do. And I asked him, I was like, why are you, you know, like, oh, I'm just doing this for me. You know, and I'm just like, are you sure it ain't nobody else I need to know about? He was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just doing this for myself. So it just reminded me that if he can make time to do it, I can't come up with any other excuses because just because he values himself, I need to value myself just mm-hmm. as much. So, oh my goodness, that. That is so, I feel like that's so true because I feel like as a woman, it's so much easier, especially if you're, you know, working from home and you're an entrepreneur and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's so much easier to be like, oh, well, you know, I have to deal with what the kids have going mm-hmm. on or I have to do these dishes or I have to, you know, all these different things. And like John will get home from like, you know, a rough day of teaching and be like, all right, I'm out. I'm going straight to the gym. Like these kids drove me nuts today. I need to like, you know, clear my head. And I'm like, okay, well I skipped the gym earlier today because the house looks messy. And so I was like, I need to take 45 minutes and clean Mm -hmm. house. And I'm like, what if I would have got that workout in first? And then we could have split the cleaning at the end of the day. And that's the the thing too, is like, it's not like he's asking me to do that. That's a pressure that I put on myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like John is pretty much always like, do whatever you want to do. Hire a person to clean. I don't care what you do. Like you're pretty much in charge. Like that's, that's our relationship to be honest, you know, but it's just like, that's a pressure I put on me that I'm like, I need to do 
A, B, and C before I tend to my own needs. And that is such a, that is a lesson that I am learning now. Like, again, as we said, now that I'm getting to a big age, so I'm learning these things. Um, But it is, it's so important to, you know, put ourselves first in the same way that men do, because they don't think twice about it. Yeah. They don't. (laughs) If you read Becoming, if you guys, if this wasn't enough of evidence, Michelle Obama talks about, she has a whole chapter dedicated to this whole topic Mm. about how she, that was one of the biggest issues in her marriage with Barack is that he went to the gym. Like he said, like he went to the gym and she was like, how do you have time? And she was like, oh, it's because he's working. I don't have an excuse. And so she made the time. And so I think that has changed the way, just reading that chapter mind blown so having this conversation once again with more women and other people like this is a thing this is a thing that we do um put in ourselves and, and kind of create that narrative for ourselves so we definitely have to be in cha- in charge of our own destinies true because we get mad because I, I was i would be mad yeah. like, what do you mean you have time you know all this stuff that needs to be done the clothes are piled up but you make time to go to the gym so i think you know and then you get angry about it but it's not necessarily that you're angry at them you're i think underlining yourself. is yeah you're mad at yourself mm-hmm. for not for not taking that time out for yourself or valuing yourself enough to know like okay when you get back i'm leaving you know and you can stay here and watch the kids or whatever mm-hmm. so For sure. Well, so starting a new job or switching careers is one of the most stressful things you can do in a year in that list of things that are stressful. So what are some things that people could be doing or what are some important steps that they should take when they're finding themselves into that position? And a lot of women are because they're going back into the workforce, not where they were before or starting in a different position. And so because we were all laid off, you know what I mean? Like women were just Mm -hmm. laid off more than I think 97% of the people laid off were women or something like that. So Mm -hmm. uh, what are some things that people should do if they find themselves in this position? You know, honestly, I think that people should just give themselves some grace um, because going back to work, depending on what the situation is, it can be challenging within itself, especially if you're having to learn a new role learn new material, you know, take tests or whatever that looks like, as well as getting used to like new coworkers or processes that maybe weren't there in your job before. Um, so for example, a lot of people have to go virtual, you know, in their new jobs or new roles. And that was a challenge for most people who weren't very familiar with technology. So I would definitely say like, if, if you're going to be taking on a new role, really understand what the requirements are of that job. And if there's something there that you you know of, but you're not you know an expert in, I would highly suggest just getting a little bit more familiar with that. If it's figuring out how to do a Zoom call or how to do recordings or you know how to show up on camera like in a professional manner, like do a lot of research on that. Um, to when you do show up in that capacity, you'll be more confident. Um, because I think like anytime you start something new is that fear of like failure will creep in or that you may not do as well or you don't want to lose your job. You know, so sometimes we can overcompensate, but we forget what's important in those roles that we take on. Um, also, to remember to keep it balanced, like, you know, when it comes to your family and your job. You know, if you have to leave things at the doorstep before you come home to your kids, try your best to do that. Um, because it can be frustrating, you know, learning new new stuff, showing up in a, in a new position and you have to come home and the house is a mess or, you know, so I just really say, give yourself grace and learn what you can. That's going to help make that process easier for you to where you can show up confidently, not only in your new career or position, but at home as well. Yeah, I love that. And I, I feel like people forget, like, if you're starting a new job or new career, like, 
it's a transitional time. It's not going to be easy. Like I think people, I don't know if it's like movies make the expectations. It's like first day, even if it's your dream job, it's not like first day is going to be fantastic and everything is just going to be easy. And yes, that's going to spill over into the other Mm -hmm. aspects of your life that it is a transition, like you're in transition and that's, you know, going to take a while. I think it takes probably at least a good three months to be you know, uh, comfortable and kind of get into the zone in a new Mm -hmm. role. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So you are a big advocate of setting monthly business goals for yourself. You talk about this on Instagram Mm -hmm. and all the different places that you are on the internet. (laughs) Um, and what is that goal setting process like? Because I think a lot of people, they kind of have ideas of like what they might want those goals to be, but they're not actually, it's different to say like, this is something that I would like, but then to actually set a goal. What is that process like for you? Well, for me, I like to work backwards. Um, I basically, I will set my, my income goal as well as my activity goal um, first. And then I will take steps back to determine like how I'm going to reach that point. So, um, for example, if my goal is I want to make, you know, I don't know, $4,000 this month from, you know, influencing projects, right? So then what I would do is I would make a plan on the brands that I want to work with. I will set that goal number. I will determine how many posts or how many opportunities I actually want to do and have the time and capacity for. Um, and then it goes from like, you know, it just pitching and just different steps that go into my process, but I also have designated times to where I do that. And so when you're goal setting, you need to know basically what the end result, what, what do you want at the end of everything? So we can say like, yeah, I want to make $10,000 this month, but you haven't done one single thing. You haven't put out one piece of content. You haven't, you know, reached out to any brands, for example. So how are you going to reach that $10,000 goal when you're not willing to put in the work? So you basically are outlining your, your steps, your working process steps to get you to that 10,000. If it's having conversations with certain people, if it's sending an X number amount of emails out every week or every day, like what that looks like. So for me, my goal setting is like, I write everything down. I typically goal set for the entire quarter. Um, I also plan out a lot of things ahead of time, which make achieving those goals a lot easier. Um, but I know goal setting looks different for everyone. So I would you know, highly suggest figure out what works best for you as an individual. Um, and then what motivates you to achieve certain goals? So I always think about the motivation at the end. A lot of times money motivates people, but there's also other components to think about. Um, if it's, you know, if you have client work or you have other, you know, digital downloads or things like that, that you're really trying to push out, what steps are you taking are you even talking about it? You know, are you sharing it with your audience? You know, are you hopping on a live to, to put it out there? So what are those steps that you're taking to actually reach those goals? But I do think that just having the end goal in mind at all times will definitely help you achieve it. That is very true. I feel like if you, especially if you put it somewhere where you can see it. So if you have yes. a planner, if you have it on a whiteboard <laughs> and you say, I need $10,000 this month, or I need, you know, 100 extra followers, you can, you know, just like old time thermometer, chart it up, color it in. So you yes. can get to the point where you visually can see where you are and it motivates you. It motivates you to see how mm-hmm. much more you can do. And when you pass that goal early on, because that starts to happen when you set goals for yes. yourself, right? That you mm-hmm. see now what you're capable of achieving that certain, suddenly your new uh, maximum is your minimum. 
So you, you start to push yourself. Um, so I think definitely there's so much key in what you're saying. Create that in game first yes. and work your way backwards. Cause it just, it helps your day to day. Once you get that end goal in mind, you just, your day-to-day drives you towards that progress. And whatever it is for you, it doesn't always have to be monetary because not everybody who's in business needs to do that. But if you're helping to, if you're working a nonprofit and you want to have, you know, 10 qualified leads, take your program or get into involved or enrolled, that's what you do. You just work towards that goal. So I definitely think it's up to you as an individual and you don't have to worry about the standards. So I know financial reports are heavy on, on social media and with the influencers and even, you know, entrepreneurs who are influencers as well. A lot of times it's like, oh, I made $25,000 this month. And your goal may be $250 a month. And that's fine. And that's fine. Stay in your lane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you have to stay in your lane. But like I said, I, and it's funny because I have, I had a client call yesterday and um, one thing that we were working on is like, Okay, she said like, hey, I need to make, I need to book at least two clients or make $400 a day. And so when she got really clear on what that number was for her to reach her goal, she started like hitting that number every single day. And so it's like, once you see it to the point of like that visualization, once you write it down, here's the thing, you're going to be more intentional in every action that you take every single day. You know, because you're going to know when you wake up in the morning, I need to make $400 a day. What do I need to do right now in this moment to make that happen? So having that in front of you at all times or having that in the back of your mind on your mirror in the bathroom where you have your affirmations written down, whatever that looks like. I think that's just so important because now she's like, oh, I've already reached that goal. I've already maximized that goal. What's going to be next? What's the next step? So it, it also keeps you accountable to keep moving forward and to level up in your own business with your own goals. Yeah, for sure. And part of that is consistency. And one mm-hmm. thing about you is that you are consistent across <laughs> all boards. Your brand is consistent. You can scroll your Instagram as far back as you want to. It's going to look consistent. Like, go ahead. I, 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 I dare our followers to go to Tiffany's Instagram right now, start scrolling, go to her website and try to find something that's inconsistent. And you will have wasted too much. You could have made $400. You know what I mean? At that time. (laughs) So what is the process like, especially with your photos? Because they, and even, I feel like, I was looking at your stories of your cute baby. I'm like, even in your stories, which you're supposed to be, you know, messy DIY, it still looks consistent and nice. Like the filters are the same. I don't know. And also like, also like you're like this in real life. So like, I just want people to know it's like, you are like, this is what you are like in real life. Like you're stunning. She has like a a light, like the filters on her at all times. Like our eyes just adjust to her face yeah like the first time that tiffany and i met was actually in like it was in access yes in water um, garden yeah so, like so you know like the mm-hmm. lighting is not great. like it's not a place where like most people look amazing but she looks amazing oh. so it's just like it's not even like that's what i love is that i think that it, no matter what your your brand is it has to have like a part of you yes. in it so i think it's so important to share like it's not hard for you to quote unquote, keep up with this because this is just what you mm-hmm. look like. And this is just what your actual life is. So I just want to say that because that's She's important. Because like, like for me, it ain't going to look like that from day to day. Okay. Let me tell you, you guys get the best of the best. It's a real reason. Let me tell you, it don't look like this right now. Um, look, I have my days though. I, I have to tell you, I do. I do have my days, but um, to your point, yes, consistency is huge. And I think that it wasn't until I got clear on who I'm here to serve is when I got to that point. Because if you do scroll all the way down to the very, very bottom of my thousand posts or whatever I have, you will see how over time I've gradually shifted, right? You can see progress in, you know, starting from the bottom now where I'm at now. 
But and I think that's what people need to understand. They think that this, you know, what we do and how we show up is um, something that comes overnight. Right. Because everybody wants things like right now, right now, but they're not willing to put in the time nor the work that is required to get to that point. Um, And so like for me, in regards to like consistency in my photos, it wasn't until I was very clear on who I was here to serve. I realized like by doing photo shoots often, like I figured out like what angles I like, what colors I need to stay away from. So it was like a trial and error point in time for me to where it's like when I show up now, I know exactly what I'm shooting. I know what I look good in, what I don't want to wear, what colors to avoid. Um, so I think that's huge is that self-awareness in that consistency because it makes it easier. Even when I shop, you know, I know what colors to shop for, what tops to shop for, what dresses that look good on me. So just understanding who I am and who I'm trying to speak to. I know I'm not like the super like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like out in nature all the time. Not my thing. You know. I've been in the corporate space for so long. I know that the type of women that I'm going to attract with what I'm wearing, what I'm posting, what I'm sharing. Um, and it makes that process to be consistent 10 times easier. And as far as like my photographer that I work with, it's interesting because um, I actually used to work with her sister here locally. And then her sister decided that um, she was no longer going to do the blogger thing. And she's just mainly now focused more so on weddings and so when I actually shot with her for the first time, I was pregnant with um, with Emmy. And I was just like, you know, I had to get out of the mindset, okay, you're not your sister, but, you know, I, I think you have potential. I think we can work together. So the first shoot for me wasn't the greatest. And so I didn't shoot with her um, really much after that, but it wasn't until I kind of came back. I worked with a different photographer. She was okay, but wasn't the vibe that, I wanted to portray as a brand. So I went back to my my girl, Kate, that I work with now. And we've been rolling for like two years straight, it seems, you know, so it's been, it's been on and off, but now we're consistent. I actually, I have a shoot plan with her tomorrow. We typically shoot um, every week, if not every other week, depending on what I have going on. So I have a campaign that I'm shooting for uh, tomorrow. So it's like, Hey, it could be an hour to two hours. And we just basically base it off of that. But when I show up, you know, she knows exactly what the plan is. You know, we have a Pinterest board that we share for ideas and inspiration to kind of keep us on track. Um, and we just work really, really well together. So I I think that's huge too, like really enjoying who you're working with and they need to understand, what it is that you're trying to do. They need to be on the same page with you and your brand. So they capture what it is that you're trying to convey to your audience. Um, But I I love working with her. Uh, I think that, you know, just by giving her that chance, like we've we've actually had the opportunity to kind of grow together. Um, Now we're kind of like getting into like doing little video clips here and there in between the shoot. So it's, it's, it's a great, great relationship. I'm just really blessed to have her, um, on this journey with me. So I was actually talking to a photographer friend who lives up in New York city and she was asking me about like, I guess she's just trying to like um, figure out like where specifically she wants to be shooting. Like, does she want weddings? Mm -hmm. Does she want families or whatever? And I told her you should work with influencers. And she was like, is there money in that? And I was like, yeah. And it's consistent and it's easy because the reality is, is like for my experience, like influencers show up like ready to shoot 
Like they know what they want their, you know, they have a vision in their head, right? They know what they want it to look like. They come up, you know, dressed the nines, looking amazing, knowing how to pose. And honestly, posing people when you're doing like family portraits and stuff, that half the work is just posing people uh, because people aren't in front, you know, uh, comfortable in front of the camera. Um, And so it's like they come doing all that and then you're getting like a lot of them are consistent because they have content going out all the time so i'm like yes you have to work with an influencer who actually has work for Mm -hmm. sure um so that they can pay you but i'm like if it's somebody who actually has work they're going to be wanting to get work done all the time so you can set up a nice package and you know work with people like that and it's you know and the editing is easier too and a lot of times you know obviously uh because what you guys are putting on instagram and you want it to have that consistent look a lot of times you're like hey minimal editing because i'm going to be throwing you know, this filter on it that gives kind of everything the same uh, color. So I highly suggest anybody that is a photographer to, you know, reach out to some of their local influencers, because it's, it's a very lucrative business, I think. And it's so easy and fun to work with influencers, because you guys are creating stuff that's like really fun and creative. So yeah, I I love it. Like, I think that but then that's kind of like Kate and I's relationship is more like, we don't have like a contract, but she's basically on retainer. So at the, like in a couple of weeks, I'll be like, okay, give me all your dates for May. And I'll snag up all the dates for May that I want. And if we need to move anything around or something comes up, then we do so. Um, but she's just been amazing. It's interesting that you talk about the whole photography thing, because um, some of my local um, clients that I coach here, I've been taking photos for them. And, and when they look back at their content, they see such a, a difference, right? And they're just like, oh my, I can't stop shooting with you now because <laughs> I can't go back to what it was before. And so I think to the point of like having a retainer in place and having a photographer, if you really like them, um, it just makes that process easier. It's going to keep your content consistent across the board. Um, but I do think like just just having that, if you're really trying to elevate, I think it's important. Yes, there's nothing wrong with, you know, taking your own photos or, you know, getting your husband or friend to take them, but it's different when you invest money into someone that they're going to produce the results that you want. Um, Especially if you're being paid as an influencer or you're trying to get eyes on your content, brands really do want that content that is like high quality content. And so investing here and there until you get your first brand deal, I think it's a great start because it shows the potential of what you can do. So, yeah, yeah, because that's what brands are interested in is like, what is the if I hire you, you know, as a brand to showcase my product or whatever, like what is the highest quality content that you can Mm -hmm. make? And you really kind of have to have that on your profile to show what you're capable of because they're not just going to guess or like hope for the best, you know? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. All the things. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, I think a lot of people still don't understand that, you know, influencer and bloggers can actually make like good, good, good money. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually wild having seen like contracts and stuff. Like, I've worked with a lot of influencers and help them secure contracts. And it's like wild how much money uh, someone makes for, for one contract sometimes. Mm-hmm. So uh, people don't like understand that it takes like time to be consistent to make that yep. money. You're not going to post for like a week and just be really cute and then convince a brand to give you $8,000. <laughs> like that's not how it's going to work. Nope. Um, so what are some realistic money goals for an influencer and how long do you think that they'll actually need to be consistent before starting to ask for those, like those sort of numbers? Well, I think number one with the consistency level, people need to also consider the fact of 
if you were to pitch a brand or a brand was to reach out and they hit you with that question of, oh, okay, send me your analytics or send me a screenshot of your insights and you haven't posted, but like four out of the 30 days on those insights, then that's not going to be a good look. So back to the point of consistency, showing up every day, having those numbers that reflect that, you know, within 30 days, this is what, you know, your reach, your impressions, your audience is what they're saying, this is what they're, they're talking about, um, can go a long way. But as far as like realistic goals for an influencer, it, there's a lot of factors that go into play. Um, it really does depend on the brand, what the brand's goal is, what they're looking for. Um, they could, only want, you know, somebody with a high number of followers, but then they could also want somebody with a really high engagement rate. Um, so it depends on what the brand is looking for. Um, so my rule of thumb is when I am putting out content, I try to number one, diversify the content that I'm sharing, you know, to attract those different brands or whoever it is that I want to work with. Um, but showing up consistently in that space, tagging brands to get get eyes on your page, um, you know, even pitching those brands to say, hey, hello, I'm here. Check out these insights or check out this story I posted. I had, you know, 30 sales from the link that I shared. How, how can we partner? How can we work together? Um, but yes, you can make a lot of money and you can have brands who reach out. I think the biggest thing with influencers um, or people who are trying to get into the space is that they feel as if. When a brand reaches out and they say, hey, we love your photo. Can we send you a free necklace to share on your feed? You know, and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, the brand reached out. They want to send me something free. And and that's what kind of like can mess us up. Um, there's there's nothing wrong if it's a brand that you authentically, organically love and it's in your home and you wear it or you promote it. You would promote it anyway if they would have reached out or not. But it's different when you have all these people hitting you up for, for free, to basically for free space on your feed or on your social media profiles, and you're not really gaining anything from it. So when I first started, yeah, I did a couple of free things here and there. And so I figured out where I wanted to be. But now I think you have to be a little bit more intentional and selective as to who that is you're doing free content with, because you don't want it to mess with or affect the money that you could potentially be making. Um, but showing up consistently, um, putting that content out there, diversifying that content, and then definitely asking for the money. So if they even come to you and they say, it's funny, I was having this conversation with my client the other day. She sent me screenshots and how these brands were talking. They want to you know, send her stuff. And I was like, no, 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 we don't do free. Like You can tell them whatever that number is that you have in your head. So if your number is, I'm not going to take less than $1,200 for a post. Or I'm not going to take less than $150 for one Instagram in-feed picture then that's your number. So if the brand comes to you and says, we want to give it to you for free, unfortunately, I don't do free. But you know, if you have a budget for this campaign, I would love to chat more about it. So I think it's directing the conversation. I think it's also being confident in the value that you are providing and in the quality of the content that you are sharing that basically gives you the confidence and the ammunition to be like, no, I'm not doing it for free. This is my rate. You know, If you can't pay 150, then circle back around when you have a budget. Um, but I don't think you necessarily have to be doing this 20 years in order to make money. I think because people can make money off the bat. It just depends on what you're, what are you sharing? What is your, what are your call to actions? You know, what is your content looking like and how often are you showing up for your people? Um, and that plays a huge role into like that bigger ask of, Hey, I need you to run me $8,000 for this post or for this campaign where 
I'm sharing an Instagram picture and a few stories and a couple of tweets here and there. So. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's also so important to point out uh, specifically for black creators, because black creators, black influencers are often paid yes. less yes. than their white counterparts. So it's just important that, you know, they know that it is okay to ask for money. It is okay to have, you know, your rates and say, hey, these are my rates. What is your budget? Uh, because, you know, they'll, a lot of times they'll uh, skip over the fact that they do have a yes. budget. Um, they just don't want to give mm-hmm. any of it away. So they'll ask for free first. And, you know, if you, like you said, if you have, um, you know, the, the numbers and the engagement or whatever to back it up, um, then you're, you're worth yes. it. So like, why not like ask for that money? If this was a traditional job, you would never go into the office every day, sit your butt down at a desk <laughs> and, and don't collect the paycheck. Hours. <laughs> exactly. Like you would never do that. Why would you do that? So it's like, if you wouldn't do that, if you wouldn't go in and clock in mm-hmm. and punch your card at whatever and do that for free, then why are you doing this for free? Because like, it is hard. It, and I think that's, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, like it's an investment as well. Kind of like you said, like now you're at a point where you can afford to invest with a photographer mm-hmm. and it's like, but that costs, it money, costs. You know what I mean? So that comes out of their, yeah, that comes out yeah. of their budget too. So when it's like, we're working out the deals and the numbers all right, I know this is what I got to spend on my photographer. This is what it's going to, okay. I got to drive over here to get to her. Like, so it's like you have to get these people to pay you for the time that you are investing to create this amazing content to represent them. Um, and that's what they're paying for, however long it takes. And if it's easier for you to jot down, okay, it took me an hour just to plan this on my feet. It took me an hour to go out and take the photos. It took me two hours to style the shot. Like, what does that look like for you? And then you give basically give yourself an hourly rate. Like, what is that rate? What rate are you comfortable with? And what I tell a lot of the, my women that are still in corporate, it's like, what are you getting paid now in your job? You know, what does that hourly rate look like for you? Maybe you can start there to where you're comfortable and then bump it up on the next one. You know, so um, but we do have to understand that we are just as as valuable as anybody else out there in that space. And we need to start asking for what we feel that we're worth. And here's the thing about it. The, the, The time that you tell a brand, I'm sorry, you know, I don't do that for free. I don't have the capacity to do it for free. What's your budget? And they say they can't work with you. I can guarantee you, as long as you don't get discouraged and you continue to show up and you post what you want to post and you're bringing that that value to your audience, they will circle back around and be like, by the way, okay, well, could you do this instead? Or could you, would you take $250 instead to share this? Trust me, they'll come back around. So that's, don't get discouraged thinking that, you're not doing a great job or you're not serving your community or that brands will never want to work with you. It's just, you just got to put in the work first, you know, and then let them know that you're not going to be that person that's going to just accept free stuff um, in exchange for valuable space on your social media profile. Yeah. And the way that I look at it is like, you know, bigger brands will spend what, like 25,000 to like over a hundred thousand for like a commercial Mm -hmm. And then turn around and want to like pay an influencer like $100 for a post when I'm like, for me as a consumer, I'm going to trust that influencer oftentimes more than I'm going to be influenced by a commercial. Um, A lot of times influencers that I really like 
and, you know, trust or maybe have had a few interactions with, I will look up specifically, oh, I think that person, you know, had, you know, really, a really cute shirt, yep. or, you know, they like, I really like the hair product they use. Let me check that out. Like you and I have similar hair mm-hmm. patterns. So it's like, let me see what she used, you know, the other day when she was doing that, you know, style. So it's like, I will trust those things more because I know that y'all are like real genuine people that will be like, no, nah, this product is trash, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's like, why shouldn't y'all be getting paid you know, amounts that really make sense for that. When again, in the traditional sense of making a commercial, they'll shell out a hundred. Oh, easy. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's so important for influencers to remember their value when it comes to that, because a lot of times influencers will have things sold out. Whereas a commercial sometimes won't do anything. It won't move any, move anybody at all to purchase. Something. Exactly. So, and I think two people need to mm-hmm. understand that the brands are paying for access to your audience. That's what yep. they want. Yeah. Built in audience. Built in audience. They want access to your people, to your tribe. They want to get in front of those people. So they're using you as a tool to do that, right? Because they know that your audience trusts what you say. They know that, you know, you're going to give your honest opinion. Um, and one thing too, like for me personally, I, I stagger sponsored posts or campaigns or things like that because I don't want every single post on my feed to be sponsored, right? I, that's just me personally. For those who do that, that's great. Um, I love making money from it, but that's really not my ultimate goal um, because if Instagram was to shut down tomorrow, then I still have something to fall back on. So it's just, you know, keep keep that in mind that space it out if you can to where it doesn't seem like, you know, every single post, because then I feel like in a sense of credibility, um, and people believing like, okay, you just posted a hair product the other day and now today you got a different hair product up. So which one exactly do you like the most? So you can confuse your audience too. So that's just me personally, do what you want, whatever you feel comfortable with or what works for you. But um, one thing about me, I don't try to do too many sponsor posts like back to back. And even if they requested to do it, I would be like, no, here's a time slot for this month. Let's see if we can make it work for that. Yeah. And it makes it more authentic. Like you said, I think yeah. that is a, a big issue with brand and in general brands aren't really understanding how the influencing space. So they no, reach out they a lot care. of times <laughs> and they say, Hey, I, you know, they're not even looking at that two days ago. You had a hair product. They're like, I got yep. this hair product. Could you post it up today? And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I need like a week or two in between these conversations. So that exactly. people don't think I'm using like eight different conditioners <laughs> to get the same hair result. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So there's definitely logic there. Um, you've already shared so much with us. I feel like we don't want to let you go, but you, you've you done so much and I want people to hire you. So I'm like, I will let you go. So don't, don't spill any more tea. Like I want people to get in touch with you and hire you. So Tiffany, what are some ways that our listeners can reach out and support you? And is there anything that you're going to be doing um, in the future? And also, I guess one piece of advice, I'll give you one thing for anyone who's mm-hmm. looking to level up their career, what would it be? If they were looking to level up their career, um, honestly, I think that is, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. It depends on what your goal is. I, I always bring it back to the goal. Um, if you're trying to level up in your career, I would say just stay true to who you are and no, no matter what position that you are in. And don't forget to just put in the work that is necessary to get you where you want to be. Um, as you know, a career is a long-term thing, right? You're going to be there, have a plan. 
you know, know when, you know, it's time to move on, know how long you want to be somewhere and consistently level up by applying for new positions, um, you know, networking events, getting out in front of the people who make the decisions to help create you a network. So when when that time comes to continue to continue to advance in your career, you're already connected with the right people. Um, I can't say it enough that networking and building relationships is so key, not only in the career space, but in the influencer space as well. I love that. Yeah, I feel like networking is way more important than uh, people realize. Um, yeah. And I love that. And I feel like that, that is advice that applies to pretty much. Everyone. It does. It does. It's, it's, it's super, super important. Yeah. And I highly recommend anyone who is looking to level up their career to reach out to you, follow you on all the platforms and hire <laughs> you because honestly paying somebody who knows what they're doing so that you can kind of like cut through all of the BS and just get to your goals and start to like see your life come together. Mm -hmm. It's important. And I think that, again, a lot of us are going through that transitional time um, and having a guide who has been there and knows how to do it is incredibly important. Yes. So thank you so much, You're Tiffany, welcome. for speaking to us today. I feel like we've both learned a ton. <laughs> and I'm so excited for all of our listeners at home to learn as well. Me too. I'm so excited. Thank you so much um, for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to share um, because I just know how important it is, especially when it comes to empowering women, um, to let them know that anything that they set their mind to, that they can accomplish. <laughs>